0: Hi guys, this is Paul Konczewski and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Enjoy! Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We are another three points closer to warning promotion as the Whites went across the bridge and put in a stern performance to come away with a 1-0 win in the Welsh capital. Mitro headed home his 34th goal of the season in a game devoid of lots of good chances to score. And we pulled a little bit further away from the automatic promotion chasing pack two. Baldo and Dom are here with me to go back over the game. England two, Wales nil. My name is Matt Boitler and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Well, morning lads. That certainly wasn't the most glamorous win of the season, was it? 1-0 away wins with a metro goal are becoming almost textbook now, aren't they? Your immediate thoughts, please, gents.
1: Um, well, my first thought is when are my legs gonna recover from you root matching root marching me back to Cardiff, um, back to our car after the game yesterday, Frenchie. And then making me walk up seven flights of stairs to the car rather than waiting for the lift. Um, but yeah, obviously it's always great, you know. As you were saying to I can't remember who you were talking to on the phone afterwards, it's always good to come away with with an away win. Um, you know, you always want to go and win, you know, three, four, five, nil, but sometimes it's the it's the you know the grinding out one nil wins that sometimes even the best you know when you're not at your best but you still manage to come away. So yeah, all in all, fantastic day. You know you can't really complain.
2: Yeah, we're we're picking up more of that type of win, aren't we? I mean, you look at the you look at the table and see or you look at the the, the results we've had and there's loads of seven nils in there and some huge results, but but then when you look at the table, you think, well. You know Bournemouth when they're both their games in hand, they're only three points behind us, so it doesn't quite match necessarily the the goals we're scoring to the points we're getting so so picking out picking up these one nils away from home, especially when the other team are just out there to to draw nil nil it is is quite satisfying, so yeah, it was a really good win.
0: You look at the other results yesterday as well, and you know Bournemouth coming from behind late again to get a two one win. Blackburn beating QPR, which wasn't the worst result in the world, actually. Um, QPR losing because they were they were in form and flying, weren't they? Um and I don't see Blackburn I don't see see Blackburn challenging us. I know we've got them next week and that's a stupid thing to say perhaps before we play them, but with them having their their best player out injured for probably the remainder of the season, I think they'll they'll end up um falling away somewhat. So Huddersfield, they've played 35 games. So Bournemouth have got four games in hand over them, but there's only two points between them at the moment. And as you say, Bournemouth have got to win those games in hand as well. But as things stand, we're 11 points clear of Huddersfield in third place with, with two games in hand. So we win our two games in hand with 17 points clear of the team that are currently in third place. It's not a bad position to be in at this stage, is it, with, with 13 games left?
2: Not at all, no. I mean... It, it most of the season it's sort of looked like it's going to be the two of us us and Bournemouth for what you know for a while they'll win in the league and then we've gone ahead and you know <laughs> I think I saw some where the bookmakers have stopped taking odds on us finishing in the top two now so you know that that's a pretty good sign they they don't really they don't often get things wrong um and yeah you'd be amazed at this point if we didn't finish in the top two but you know we, we want to keep winning and, and go on and and win the league at a pace, don't we?
0: It would take something catastrophic now from us, wouldn't it, Baldo, to to not at least get promoted because we're we're just going to places, not playing brilliantly and still coming away with with a single goal victory. You know, we did it at Stoke. We did it at Hull. Now we've done it um, at at Cardiff as well.
1: Yeah, I think I I said this in a podcast earlier in the season, is that, you know, at our 100% best, we are, you know, demolishing these teams. Like the Huddersfield 5-1, like Blackburn 7-0, like Reading 7-0. But even when we are performing at 70% of what our best is, it's still enough to get jobs done on the day. Obviously, you know, Huddersfield last week was the was the exception to things. But for the most part, when even when we're not at our best, it's still better than the vast majority of teams in the championship. So there's not really anything to worry about. You know, if a player is missing, like, you know, we're going to touch on the team in a second. If a player is missing, you're not exactly worried because, yeah, it's a bit of a hit, but it's a hit that we can deal with. It's not like, you know, last, you know, go back to last season. If, you know, uh, Tosin and Anderson were injured, do you think oh, crap, it's Ream and Adoy, you know, at Premier League level, Ream and Adoy. Whereas now you're thinking, oh, if, you know, if Robinson's out, we have Joe Bryan. It's a, you know, it's a decent thing. If, you know, there's stuff about t- Kenny Tete and Echo Williams, decent partnership. You know, even, you know, if Mitrovic were to do his random thing and, you know, get suspended for three games, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be worried about Munez leading like three games. So it just goes to show, even when we're not at our best, it is still better than the vast majority of the championship.
0: Yeah, quite. Well, let's come on to that team then. So there was a bit of tinkering with the starting eleven. Some was enforced, some not. Anthony Robinson missed out with illness. Cabano was injured, so Joe Bryan came in at left back and, and had a solid game, I thought. Plus the front three of Wilson, Reed, and Mitro is never really a weaker option anyway, is it?
2: No, this it, is exactly what what Boulder just said. Really, you've got <laughs> you've got uh, players who would start for most other teams in this league. Ready to come in in place of of those that are injured, and yeah, you know, obviously that's going to be very different next season because we won't have the luxury of a squad better than the rest of the league. But while we have, you know, I thought Bobby Reed had an excellent game as well, um, coming in for Cabano. Uh, <laughs> you know, as 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 I said, he'd he'd be starting for most teams in this league. So, um, so yeah, we we can we can chop and change a bit. Um, there's a few positions that really rarely get really get changed like center back you know it's it's usually Ream and Tosin um but but even even when it's not injuries Mark, Mark Silver quite often mixes things up in midfield uh you know it's it's yeah it, you look at the lineup and you're like well that's better than the other team pretty much almost every game now um whoever's playing so so yeah it's yeah, it's really a worry now looking at looking at that you know, an hour before kickoff, you're like, "Oh God, what about thing? He's not playing. He's not playing." You don't really care. You just, you just compare yeah. the two, and it's like, "All right, we're, we're probably going to win this if they they play as well as they should do."
0: Yeah, and and we do as well. So yeah, that's that's generally generally how things go. Were you guys surprised that Chalaba came back into the side, particularly in place for Jean-Michel Serri as well? I know Sarge is going to be fuming about it, given his comments on on how good Serri was against Peterborough in the week.
1: Um, I was a bit surprised because, you know, I think I talked about it in the, you know, in the Huddersfield review. Um, there's only, it just doesn't make sense. The fact that seri has been left out of the team, you know, for this for so long after coming back from the African combination. you know, you can make the argument that, oh, he could have been rested because of all the international stuff, but there just comes a time where, you know, you have arguably the most, maybe not the best, but the most skillful player, at least. And when it comes to controlling the ball, you, you make the argument that he's the best in the division. There it's just kind of a point of why is he being kept on the team for so long? You know, it can't it can't be rest because after the amount of time he's on, he, he surely must be rested now. Um, so it's a bit strange, but I remember talking. I remember talking to you, um, you know, in the concourse before the game. And I wasn't particularly worried about it because I think you know, so long as we have one of Reed or Seri in the side, I'm happy. You know, put put anyone else alongside him, uh, you know, and I think I'm happy. So slow. So we had Reed there, so I you know wasn't exactly. I wasn't that concerned, but it does just start making you know it's not the uh, Mitrovic Parker levels of oh there must be something going on behind the scenes last season that we don't know, but it does just start to think why isn't it going on? Especially when you consider you know we probably you know might want him to stick around next year as well, but if he's not playing then you know he may he may well very well be off if he's not getting time in the championship. You know maybe this is you know starting to look forward to next season. I don't know, but it is there are still some a lot of questions that need to be asked.
0: Does um, it does seem, and I know the song goes, "He's Marco Silva's man" about John michel Seri, but it definitely seems like Chalibur is Marco Silva's man, doesn't it? Because he's he's had him before at, at Watford as well, so maybe there's an element of that in there as well. Um, that being said, I don't think Chalibur played that badly against Cardiff.
2: No, I don't. I don't think so. I thought against Huddersfield, he was he had the absolute shocker, yeah. Um, and right, right, he didn't play, <laughs> um, and he's come back in the team. It, it could well be. I think for me, it's it's knowing that what what style of football Cardiff play, and the sort of players they've got in their team. You know, hard hitting. They've got a load of giants, and they've got midfielders who are dirty and scrappy, and, and as we saw, as we saw the whole game, it was very it was very dirty from them. And maybe Chalobah, rather than Seri, is more up to that type of challenge. It was the sort of game where they were always going to sit back, um, and Seri sort of dictate and play from. From his position in midfield, maybe didn't didn't suit what um what Marcus Silver wanted us to do. And yeah, you can't argue with it. Chalibur played well um and we controlled the game, didn't we?
0: Yeah, we did. We absolutely did. That being said, it was Cardiff who came closest to opening the scoring during the early exchanges. Long goal kick from Alex Smithies, just bounced over Tosin's head and put James Collins through on goal. Marritt actually stood firm and saved the day. It was crap defending, it was crap finishing and and pretty good goalkeeping, really. That's that's the best way to summarize that that opportunity, wasn't it?
1: It was. Um, my first thought was that it was offside because it it just sort of came out of nowhere. The fact that he was, you know, free and all on his own. And the fact that also, and it's something you know you only really recognize if you if you're at the game, but the Cardiff crowd didn't exactly get loud for it. You know, I think they mm-hmm. were probably expecting the flag to go up. So, you know, not not get that much excited, but yeah. Obviously, you know, Rodak can only you know, play to the whistle, as it were. And you know, pulled off a good save. I know he's been brought in for some criticism, some correct criticism, um, in recent weeks. But again, it's just one of those moments that you know I'm glad that I'm glad that we have him uh, between the six rather than, you know, most other you no know, most most other goalkeepers in the championship because he shows when we need him, even if he hasn't been at his total best, he is still one of the best players, you know, one of the best players in the team and one of the best keepers in the championship.
0: You touched upon the atmosphere um, a bit then as well. It, it was a strange atmosphere in the ground yesterday. It was very quiet, wasn't it?
1: It was. And I don't want this to be, a uh, you know... You know, every, you know, every away from whenever they go, oh, the home fan, oh, it's all a library.
0: Yeah.
1: In fairness, what have Cardiff really got to talk about? I know, they are one of the worst teams of the division. I think I'd say if it weren't for the points deductions for Derby Reading, they would be in the relegation zone. So what is there to really cheer about on, you know, on their part? now Everyone knows my connections with Cardiff through my family. So I don't, you know, wish ill upon them. But it is just a case of I don't really blame them because what is there to be happy about at the moment especially you know with the style of football they're trying to play you know just trying to stay in the division so yeah you know, I can't really blame them
0: yeah I know I know your connections to the club it made me laugh when we were driving down there yesterday and I asked you if you knew any Welsh as soon as we got into Wales and all the signs are on the in, in Welsh <laughs> and I asked you if you knew any Welsh you went no not really only hello goodbye and sausage and chips,
1: <laughs> and the anthem. Don't forget the anthem as well. But yes, you are you are seventy five percent correct on that one. Do,
2: uh, do you know any uh, orders shot Welsh all day?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do, but it's uh, not safe for um, it's not safe <laughs> for the airwaves.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's weird as well because we've we've had some battles with Cardiff over the last few years as well. There, so there must be a bit of needling between Fulham and Cardiff, I think. And I was just a bit disappointed with with the atmosphere there. When I've been to Cardiff before, there's always been a good atmosphere there. And I know they're having a crap season, but you know we had that that season where it was between us and them for second place, and we ended up going up through the playoffs under Slav, and then the playoff fi- uh, semi final as well the other year. Um, when we when we beat them, so there have been some some good contests between Fulham and Cardiff, but there was just there was nothing um, by way of by way of any of that really in in terms of the atmosphere. Um, decent decent amount of noise from the Fulham end though, which which was good to see. Um, the game was devoid of clear cut opportunities all round, uh, but when the big chance came, the big man of course took it. The ball was whipped in from Harry Wilson, and Mitro was stealth like as he crept around the back of the Cardiff defence completely undetected and headed the ball into the back of the net for his 34th goal in 31 games. Come on, lads, find something new to say about Mitro, even if it's just that he looked great with his shirt off at the end of the game.
2: <laughs> there's there's nothing new to say, is there? I mean, just, just what a legend, what a hero. Um, he absolutely loves scoring. In front of the, like for Fulham and Fulham fans, absolutely love every time he does, and there's been fortunately we've we've been able to celebrate 34 of those so far this season. So yeah, there's there's nothing to say about him. It's that sort of goal he'll he'll score every week, just arriving with a free head at the back stick and nodding it in. And I th- I think kind of what might be worth mentioning is how how much better we seem to be. This season. We we we've touched it in previous podcasts, but from from set pieces. Um especially like in previous years, you'd have gone, Oh, why are you playing the short corner? Um, it's a waste of a chance. But we 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 worked that really well. We got players in the line and they and the the ball from Wilson just to the fast hit curled in it was absolutely beautiful. So yeah we I don't know whether it's just the fact we're scoring so many more goals and some of them are likely to be from set pieces and corners and whatnot but um it's good to see we're, we're trying things and they're working so um so, so I enjoyed that
1: does that one count as from a set piece like I don't know what the 10 I always thought it'd it be like directly from the corner rather than well it, pro- it probably
2: corner. wouldn't go on the it wouldn't be a goal from a corner so to speak but it was from a corner and there's only a few touches until it yeah, got crossed just, in i i would count it personally because you know your, your center backs aren't normally in, ordinarily in the box are they so it yeah. it, it was a different situation um fair, but it, it may enough. it may not it may not count on the stats but um it was certainly from a corner wasn't it
1: yeah i was going to say because that was my immediate takeaway was um what you know like seconds before the goal went in, it was like, why is Harrison Reed taking corners now? I mean, I know we've said you know, when when Harry Wilson came in, he was like one of the things he was lauded for was the fact that oh, he's a set piece specialist. Still, hadn't scored a free kick this season, by the way. Uh, um, and you know, corners haven't been the greatest from him. But is it is it has is he that bad now that Harrison Reed's taking corners? Um, then I've seen Lil works, but It, it, it doesn't it does say no with his assist. There is still something there. It's not, you know, he's not quite the set-piece specialist that we've got, but when it comes from, you know, open play and the combination that he has with Mitrovic, you know, just to put it in the exact place where he knows he's going to be lurking around the around the, um, around the far post. And also, I think, you know, we, we can't talk about Mitrovic, but credit to him, because that's from a very tight angle, it has to be said. It's not, it wasn't the easiest chance to get it in, in the, you know, in that small gap. Um But yeah, he, did a fantastic job and, you know, like we're running out of words for him.
0: Nine more required to break the second tier record of 42. 13 games left. Does he do it?
2: Yeah. I mean, he has to hit a bad patch of form, not to not to score 42, 43 goals this season. It's it's absolutely insane to think about it. And I do remember early in the season when he, he was, he hit his hot patch and he was on like eight, you know 10 goals in eight games or something and we're like he could do this he could he could get 40 plus and here we are much closer to that time fully expecting it to happen now so i i think he does um because you know the, the amount of goals we score say we get 25 more 30 more this season he's going to get nearly half of them isn't he so um yeah i i, I, I can't i can't see anything else unless a suspension or an injury or something like that, that happens, but if he's if he's playing if he plays 13 more games he'll get he'll get nine more goals. I think is as easy as that
0: yeah, and this is the thing we're, we we're so good at creating opportunities, so there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to to bury um It's not like he's having to create the chances for himself. we just play that style of football that that just just creates so many opportunities for everyone so yeah, he, I think he gets it as well
2: he probably should have had two more yesterday thinking yeah. about it that that header in the first half. Was the sort of one you we would expect him to get on target. I think the defender did, did just about enough, uh, but certainly the the one in the second half where he headed it over from sixty yards, yeah, you'd, you'd expect that to be to hit the net every time.
0: You would. Well, six minutes after the break, Harry Wilson split the Cardiff defence open and played Nico Williams in. And the Welshness cross was clearly handled by Aidan Flint. I mean, there was no need for a replay. Baldo, you and I could see this as clear as day uh, at the time, couldn't we? And what possible reason is there not to give the penalty here? And of course, we get a penalty there upstairs, Mitro.
1: It, it is. Um, the only thing I'm thinking of, you know, going back and looking the again, when you see it live, you think definitely handball. But again, just look at the replay countless times. I'm just trying to think, what is the only reason, hand reason hand that the referee, hand yeah, hand definitely, yeah, that's like, it, hit his it hit his hand. There's no argument about that. There. But my thing is, does the deflection off the defender's foot, like, give the referee enough of a wave of doubt? And, you know, it wasn't, you know, we talk about, you know, last season in the Premier League, when there was the handball stuff, you know, an unnatural body position, you know, outside the body lines were... It wasn't too far away. Again, I'm just trying to think of what the referee can come up with. That, again, I would get. I, I thought it was a penalty, but you know, it's a fallen penalty. Um, but yeah, I just there may be just enough of a little bit of doubt there, just for him to say, "Nah, accidental kid off the defender um, on the on the way through." Maybe that's why he didn't give it. But we know what championship referees are like, as you know, the whole as the whole game played out. We know what championship referees are like, so you can't really expect the highest standard from them.
2: Yeah. Funnily enough, Cardiff fans were complaining about the referee after that game. Wait, you, yeah, you look at you look at that penalty decision. I mean, accidental, but you don't really see many deliberate handballs, do you? Let's face it. He's he's got gained control of it with his arm. It's as simple as that. So that should be a penalty for me. Um, but yeah, the, I, I saw the Cardiff fans complaining about the referee, and I was thinking, if the referee was competent, you'd have lost three nil and had a you know been down to 10 men as well so you know careful what you wish for
0: yeah we'll talk about that uh, potential send it off in a minute but uh, Bobby Reed came close with a header just after that penalty incident actually Mitro as you said also headed over from close range meanwhile I never felt like Cardiff threatened as much at all the closest they came was when Aidan Flint bollied over the bar near the end of the game when Tim Ream went off, having received some treatment. But it was a sound defensive display from Fulham, and the game just wasn't much of a spectacle for it, was it? We had plenty of the ball, but only had four shots on target. But we got the job done, and that's about the long and short of it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that's, you know, Cardiff were obviously playing for a nil you nil, know, you know, based on how they say. Yeah, and fair, you know, fair play to him, you know, we the the fact they managed to keep the best defense, you know the best attack in the championship down to four shots on target is you know is a credit to them in a way you know they came not to get a you know not to get a win and you know they tried their best but obviously it wasn't enough but it just came, but they just don't have the attack to sort of chase the game after which is why i said you know the goal probably came uh, at the right time because it meant they were probably going to attack but they still just didn't, and they didn't create anything. That's why I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried for the most part of the game. It was just a case of can we just get another? You know, can we get a second just to help? I was going to say to help goal difference, but I don't think goal difference really matters at this stage, given how far away we are. But no, as you said, not the greatest spectacle of a of a game, but we've got three points, and you know the, the last couple of games haven't been great spectacles, as it were. So. It's just it's just how it is. You know, we've had the fun part of the season. We may have to start getting used to grinding out results, especially if we're playing against teams that are, you know, holding on to the sixth place in the playoffs or whatever, and are just looking for that one point or any teams down the bottom of the table. We've just got to get used to it now. This is what it's going to be. But as so long as we've got
0: enough to win, that's all that's going to matter. I'm not being entertained enough. I want my money back disgusting <laughs> performance
2: <laughs> should be seven at every game what's going on exactly
0: exactly you can't give us seven nil twice and then not give it to us again <laughs> just get Ball used us to away it. mate yeah oh that'd be nice wouldn't it if we give them a good pacing on the uh, uh, at their own place that'd be super cool. yeah all right well Josh Olimar came on for Bobby Reid with 15 minutes left uh, at the ground where he had his most memorable moment as a Fulham player and I'm glad he's back involved again. To be honest, as as he was a shining light towards the end of that season uh, in the championship, wasn't he? Last time we were here, is he, I'm, I'm glad he's still in and around the squad. He's a decent player.
2: Yeah, he is. I think I think it, him and Cabano sort of towards the end of that season were the two the two players mm. that, that surprised us both. Um, Cabano's pressed on because he's he's played a lot this season, but on him as, you know he's, the poor guy's competing with the best players in the league and stunned <coughs> Premiership. Uh, Premier League quality midfielders as well so um, he, he's he's not getting much of a look in but he does a job I think he does a job when he when he gets a chance um, doesn't let us down um, his his position in the squad really is yeah is <laughs> sadly for him uh, coming on to to rest players really and um, making sure that we just stay consistent enough to to, to hold on to the win Um so yeah, I, I feel a bit for him because he's probably better, a better player than a perennial substitute in the championship. But that's just that's just how squ- how strong our squad is. So um, yeah, he's he, he doesn't complain. He does his job. So um, it's good to see him play decently.
0: It's also good to see Kenny Tese back involved again. He came on as a late substitute for Nico Williams. Those two fighting for one place in a championship side is outstanding competition, Bordeaux, isn't it? It
1: is. Um, and, you know, it is going to be interesting to see how that does play out moving forward. Because, you know, I was, you know, I was saying to you on the way back, you know, Neko Williams, was he had a good game towards the end, he was just starting to flag him. He just wasn't percent there. So if you bring on, you know, arguably the best uh, right back in the championship and a better defensive fullback in Kenny um, just to solidify things up, it's not it's not a bad option to have. But obviously, whilst you say they're fighting out for one position, you know, as my uh, what did you call it? My bonkers tactical claim the other day was: Neko Williams isn't. I don't think he's going to be restricted to just to being a right back. I think there are other positions that we can play him in. But you know, if he is stuck to be right back, then it's st- it's still a good option. But if we but do, where else can he play? He can play left back. He can also play. Um, he can also play more attackers, So he can play on the right wing. Um, i again, I don't see it happening, but I'm saying the options are there if things get absolutely desperate um, for us. But, yeah, but the, as you said, the fact that we've got those two fighting out means we are not going to be short of, you know, you know, two decent fullbacks. You know, if you've got, you know, Tete and Williams on one side, Robertson and Bryan on the other, we're not going to be short of fullbacks, whatever, whatever combination we want to put out.
0: Yeah, the substitution was Ivan Caviero, who came on for Bobby Reed right near the end of the game. And he got a very close look at Perry NG's elbow, didn't he? How was that not a red card? It's just ridiculous. See,
1: my only thing on this, and looking at it live and seeing how it all played out, it was an off-the-ball incident. It wasn't as if, you know, they were fighting it out in the corner and Perry NG swung an elbow. It was Perry NG basically to try to block him off, trying to get to... I think it may have been the Cardiff goalkeeper who was chasing after the ball. So my thought is... The referee and the linesman are both looking at the ball rather than you know those those two going at it. So I think that's why they. Again, it's obvious to anyone who has the broader view of it. You know, from the stands, you see the two players coming together. One player swings his You know, you see blatantly swing the elbow, but on a closer thing, you know, uh, less of a peripheral view. I think that's probably. I think that's probably why. It's probably something that. You know, is probably going to face a suspension for you know, coming out of it because, you know, if the referee didn't see it at the time. But, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the only reason you can look at it, is that off the ball, the referee just plain didn't see it.
0: Did he not get booked though? I'm not sure. I'm just trying to try to look it up to see if he got booked. I feel like I mean did.
1: maybe in like the the verbals afterwards because there was a ma- there was a major coming together. I mean, if if he got booked, I'm pretty sure Gentleman Jim got booked from all accounts of <laughs> yeah. about his he commentary didn't. Of he the didn't. situation.
0: He didn't get he didn't. booked, so they will look at that retrospectively, and that's a free game ban, isn't and it? That's, it's yeah, that's that. gonna cost yeah, yes, yeah.
1: Didn't, yeah. That's I say. Just it, the referee just plain didn't see it. So there's only so much you can you
0: know, do on that.
2: Fortunately, yeah, it, was, it was late enough uh, and didn't affect us. Um, so that that's, you know, we can not laugh about it, but we can kind of brush it off. But if, you know, if if he'd done something important in the game after that, then then you're furious, aren't you? But fortunately, yeah. that didn't happen.
0: Yeah, quite. Well, Marco Silva said after the game, we controlled big parts of the match. We were a bit slower than I wanted, but we created enough. We were the best team and deserved the three points. Meanwhile, Cardiff manager Steve Morrison said that he couldn't be prouder of his side. I think those two quotes perfectly sum the game up, to be honest. Fulham are a superior team and just dug in and got the points without any glamour this time round, didn't they?
2: That's exactly it. I mean, um, I, I think Cardiff's tactics were the reason that we were slow, slower than Marco wanted us to be. Um, you know, they they didn't give us space to play in and they were, you know, fouling all the time every time we couldn't get attacks going and it it was just it was just scrappy and and turgid and that was that was them and that's what he wanted to see so fair fair play they got um you know they come away with their their one nil defeat that they'll be delighted with so you know it's like I mean to be fair you look at some of the, the the results we've had this season and and that could be look it could look a decent result for them so um you know he he wanted to see his team fighting um we obviously want to see more goals than that. But, um, yeah, it was it was a more than fair result on 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 reflection.
0: And let's come on to Man of the Match then,
1: Baldo. Uh, I'm going to give Man of the Match to the referee for only having four minutes added time at the end of the game so we can get out of there as soon as possible rather than watch any more of that turging <laughs> before it's, But um, Fulham, Fulham-wise, it's a bit hard because it wasn't an entertaining spectacle. So it wasn't as if anyone really stood out. But i i i think i'll g i will think i'll give it i think i'll give it to bobby reed i think he he had a pretty solid or pretty solid all round game he was creating chances had you know, had a decent header uh something you don't really associate with him but really caused the uh kind of problems with problems uh, with that header in the second half so i'm gonna go bobby reed
2: yeah i'm, I'm gonna go Neko williams um just he, he ran himself into the ground and obviously he, he had to he had to be subbed off towards the end I guess 90 minute fitness will come in time but but he's really I, I was a bit I questioned people early on who were saying oh what what a brilliant player we've got after after one or two games but you know he's he's really consistent he's he's really good going going forward um obviously question marks defensively perhaps but um, he never gives up, and he's always an option for us to have down that right. And a lot of our play comes down that side, um, and he's got a good understanding with Harry Wilson in front of him. So, yeah, uh, long may that continue. I think he had a, an excellent game.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be different to both of you, and I'm going to say Harrison Reed. I just thought that was the perfect game for him, really, in a in a, an away game against a, a side who are quite physical, and he handled himself really well. Um, and it was just another. I, he's always. At least eight out of ten, isn't he, for me? Um, yeah. I, I think with Harrison Reed, uh, and it was another decent performance. And you know, he, he um, he he does he doesn't do anything glamorous, really, does he? But what, what he does and what he's there for, he does he does magnificently well week in, week out. So, I thought it was another good game for him.
2: Yeah, he's absolutely the first the first player, oh, well, the first midfielder you pick, I think, even though yeah. we've got even though we've got Sarah, we've got Tom Kearney. And Chalabra's options, it's it's Reeves and one other for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. All right. Well, that's Cardiff done. Let's have a quick word on our under twenty threes, who are of course champions of the Premier League two, Division Two, after beating Aston Villa under twenty threes two one on Friday evening. There's five games left of that season, too. I think um I think that's probably gonna be the way it plays out for the Fulham first team this season in the championship as well. But it's a remarkable achievement for the for the youngsters, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, whatever football you're playing and whatever age group you're at, the fact if you are that dominant that you could, you know, do it with five, you know, with five games remaining, just goes to show that there is there is something, you know, something about you. Um yeah, you know, I, I'll admit I haven't paid as much attention to the under 23s and you know the academy as I have in re as I have in recent years, just because of various uh, personal situations. But it is just good to see that we have, you know, this continual line of players. Um, you know, coming through that can, you know, they can at least do something, you know, it's not as if they're just going about them. The fact they have been so dominant shows that there is, you know, perhaps, perhaps something there, you know, something, you know, some some hidden talent that we, that we, uh, that we may have a chance, uh, that we may have a chance to see. And I just hope that, you know, towards the end of the season, we get to see, we get to see a couple of them, you know, just just give them a couple of games in the championship, just to see what we you know what they can do. Because, you know, it's going to get to a stage, you know, maybe this summer, maybe next summer, where we're going to have to start, you know, looking to loan them out. Um, so if we f- try and find what their level is, you know, as soon as possible, then we can start start making those plans, as it were. So I just hope that, you know, the likes of Sonny Hilton and Ollie O'Neill and uh, Ziti, uh, I think it's how you pronounce,
2: you know, Jay Stansford as well, who
1: had a couple of first-team appearances this season. Yeah, I don't want, you know, we don't want them to be, you know, like the Fabio Carvalho, for instance, where they were stuck in the under-23s for so long that by the time they get into the first team, all of a sudden, now they're being scouted by you know, by the big time. It wants to at least have a, a decent run and at least you know, a proper chance to assess and see what these players have got, you know, at whatever, you know, whatever, whatever level it may be.
0: I think, um, I went to see the, the under-23s play away at Bromley two and a half years ago. Um, and you have the likes of well Fabio played that game, um Sonny Hilton played that game, and Timmy Abraham, I think, played for Fulham that day as well. And I think he, Sonny Hilton's twenty-one now. I mean, if he was gonna if he was that good and was gonna gonna get into the first team, I think he would have been in and around the first team squad now, because as you say, Baldo, you've got the likes of Jay Stansfield in and around the first team already this season. Um so it, it does make you wonder. Just how many of these players are going to ever, we're ever going to see the light of day in the first team? Is there anybody, do you think, anybody else that we're likely to see? Especially if we go up to the Premier League as well. You know, if we we stay down in the Championship, I think we, we might have a chance of seeing some of them integrated a bit more. But it just, it never really works out like that in the Premier League, does it?
1: Yeah, and I think this is the point that um, uh, Stato Matt Arter, has brought up a couple of times, and it's, you know, I tried to encapsulate, but he encapsulated it perfectly. It's the fact that for the past uh, six years, effectively, we've always been fighting for something, so we haven't had the you know the downtime in which to play. You know, kids coming through. Like it was only last season when relegation was, I don't know if it was official or basically looked like an absolute certainty. But Fabio Carvalho got to start against Southampton because there was nothing left to play for, yeah, and we thought exactly, and we thought, yeah. We have a player here, so that's what I'm saying. Is hopefully, you no know, once promotion is you know, all sold and you know wrapped up, and you know maybe even the title is wrapped up. So again, just for ninety minutes, say you know again, Sheffield United on the last day, just play Sonny Hilton. Let's see what he's got. You know, just, just, let's just give these guys the chance because you know we're not going. We're probably not going to get it in the Premier League next season because we probably are going to be fighting relegation. But just the last six years, we haven't had the downtime. That's why you know that's when Cessignon came through in the start of 16-17 was because there weren't many expectations for that season. away the first under slab, so he was allowed to play. That oh crap, we've got a player here. So that's what I'm really hoping is by the time the season comes out. We have a couple of these players. Just give them the minutes, just to see, just to see what they have, and see whether or not they can cut it. You know, rather than like Matt O'Reilly, where you could you know, look at him in Celtic and think, "Crap, we let one get away from us here." You know, he could be Patrick Roberts, who's slumming it in League One now. Could he? Could be, he could be you know, Fabio Carvalho, who's tied for Liverpool. We just don't know. I just want to see them at least get the chance.
2: You know, um, Sunny Hilton was is the Liverpool lad as well. Is he, <laughs> like, he literally born in Liverpool? So. I, I, say, script
1: now, Dom, aren't you?
2: I, I say let's not play him just in case he's good and then we know what will <laughs> happen after that <laughs> but, yeah. but it is, it's is—it's a funny one isn't it you've got you have to be really 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 special talent to stand out um, you know in, in the professional men's game uh, Carvalho clearly is uh, I think he's you know he's got top top level uh, under his belt and he's going to go all the way in my opinion watching him play Um but you know, I, I can't can't say for sure, I haven't seen much of these much of these lads play, but the the how dominant they are in that league, you would imagine there are some players in there who who could make the step up because twenty-three points ahead uh, of thirty-five plus thirty-five goal difference, uh, the form is just win, 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 win. They've only they've won eighteen out of twenty one. So there's 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 gotta be something in there. And um but it, it's as you say, it's it will be in a relegation battle next season, most likely do you want 18, 19 year olds who have never, who've never played first team football to, to be featuring a lot? It's, it's, it's a really difficult balance and you can understand the club's perspective and you can also understand why some of the players are reluctant to sign to long-term deals if they're not getting minutes. So yeah, it's a bit of a curse and, you know, it's a double-edged sword having this academy because we, we've seen some really exciting young players come through in recent years and then inevitably most of them go move elsewhere. So so yeah, it's a bit a bit of a curse, but um, but yeah, you know we need to keep that academy because it it does generate money for us, and it, it's you know as as Fulham fans, what you really want to see is assessing on type players to come through and play for your first team, you know, local lads and 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 succeed with the club because that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, I, I was just going to say as well. I would say that the future bright, but. As we all know, if any of these lads are actually seriously good, then the Sharks will soon be circling anyway, as they were with Patrick Roberts, Ryan sessignon Harvey Elliott, and now, of course, Fabio Carvalho as well. That being said, though, there is something really wholesome and organic about producing our own players, isn't there?
1: There is, absolutely. You know, everyone... Um, like to see, you know, the, he's one of our own chant. You know, it, it's just a, it's a something special because that's what, you know, it used to be the case back in the, you know, before my time, the 70s and 80s and 90s. You know, there would always be a lot more of these. But now, because of the way things work, you know, very rarely do you see a club, you know, you know unlike, you know, Man United with their run of academy players and so on is, you know, a club like us very rarely get the chance to use because we have to, you know, we have to buy our talent. But the fact that we get all these ones just coming through, you know, is incredible. And, you know, you just hope that they get the the bright, you know, the bright future for them. And even if, you know, even if it isn't with us, even if they do move on, the likes of Sessignon and Roberts and Dembele, at least then you just hope that we get a decent fee for them because, you know, I was, I was doing the maths off the top of my head. I think with Roberts, Dembele, um Cesanjon, uh, and that I think that's about thirty-five-ish million. I think maybe a little bit more, maybe close to forty million. That has probably funded the academy for a good decade, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, and sets set up to keep producing these players. To then eventually, we get to a stage where you know, you know, Fabio Carvalho is probably going to get us another five-ish million with, how that works. But you know eventually, there may be the one that comes through that turns in. You no, know, that turns into Sean Davis. Say, that stays with us for a good, you know you know, a good long spell actually produces something worse you know we are a, a smaller club we know that we're always going to be poached by the bigger sharks but you just hope that there's one player that does come through and you know if asked you know if you have to sell one to create you have to sell one to create one then you know so be it
0: good stuff all right mate let's leave it there for this week i think baldo thanks for joining and for driving yesterday as well what's happening today mate
1: uh, a little bit more driving i'm uh Dad, see my uh, best friend from uni uh, down in Portsmouth uh, today, and then it's another round of the ice hockey tonight. So, pretty busy day.
0: Perfect. And Dom, thanks, mate. Any plans?
2: Quite the opposite of a busy day. Sunday, <clears throat> just just going to sit around doing nothing. So, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, honest, I, I wouldn't normally be up this early to be honest. <laughs> doing this, doing this podcast. So there we go. That that generally gives you my my uh, my my Sundays.
0: Yeah, mine's much the same as well. I'm not doing anything today. It's Just been a bit full on the last few days, so just gonna and rest, uh, just gonna chill out, watch watch whatever football's on TV. It's the League Cup final this afternoon, isn't it? Might have a little watch of that. Oh, yeah. and that'll be yeah. about it, I think. All right, we will be back on Thursday to look ahead to Saturday lunchtime's match with Blackburn. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great week, and speak to you soon. Cheers.